For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This episode of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 21st, 2018. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street... Too big to fail... Growing the economy... Growing the economy... It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host this week, along with DJ Barker and none other than Jarrett McKenzie. Told you it was J Money, Troy. Boy, Jay oh boy. Money. Jay, oh, wow. J Money. How about that? Been uh, saving that all know, week. Have you been practicing your hog call this week? <laughs> yeah. Let's hear something. That's how I've been answering the phone. Any, any of you folks want to call me? <laughs> this is J Money. I'm back. J Money. Wow. I mean, we have a dollar bill. That's right. Now we have a J Money. If, if you don't have an alias, right. I don't know what you're hey, doing. You know with what? Your From life. now on, to me, especially on this radio show, you are known as J Money. Yes. It's finally happened. It has. You you just named yourself. You know that's usually not a good sign. You name yourself, give yourself a a nickname. You're going to start referring to yourself in third person as J-Money? Only on the show. We've got some names for for you, Troy. All right, well. Why don't we talk about the markets because it looks like somebody was right. Some last two, week. two of us were right. Uh, yeah. DJ, you yeah. were on the I show think, last week. Yeah, that's a great redo, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, hey, there was one person what? who said the market was going to be down. And what's that? What's the numbers, Troy? Because uh, I'm looking at numbers right here, and yeah, I'm seeing I mean, that it's not a negative number. It is not. It seems to be almost 1% higher. Jared, do you have the same paperwork we're looking at right here? It says I don't have the Saturday on... paper, which is when the show airs. Yeah. So after I tomorrow, think you're reading the funny paper is you know, what it seems to I was talking about the week. Of let's see what was what was this week? Oh, good. Yeah, well, he's looking the 17th, at his the Alpha 16th. watch. He's he's got an Alpha watch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's called backpedaling. Yeah. <laughs> that's this is what the, the whole week. Okay. So so Jared, explain to us again that uh, you always go the opposite of what you yeah. feel well, because look, you think that you're jinxing no. the market into being no, right no, no, along no, no, with you no. or no. being up. Or that's you're... that is the byproduct. Of that, it's what typically happens is it goes the opposite direction of what I say. Okay. So whichever direction I wanted to move, I say the opposite. All right. So sounds uh, crazy, I know, but it happens. Uh, no, it doesn't Clearly. sound crazy at all, does it, DJ? Oh no, no. no. Just, just, just let's does. just be agreeable and move on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The, the ramblings of a sick mind. <laughs> we finished with that Good portion times. of the show. Uh, we're moving on. Moving uh, on. Five day. Market's up 1% almost. Uh, let's look at more detail. Consumer staples down again. How in the world does this keep happening? Down 2.22%. Uh, energy up 4.24% in the week. Uh, utilities up 24 um, Did I say energy 24 or 4.2? It's 4.2% higher. All right. Uh, for the year, 
Market's up 1.15. So the gains that we got this week are almost equivalent to the all yeah, that, that we've had all year. Yeah. Uh, but there is a huge divergence between the winners and the losers in the, the sector. 6.3% higher for information technology. Consumer staples down uh, 9.65%. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's I, painful. I'm, I'm telling you, I really think there's probably something to be said. Uh, well, I think what's happening here is uh, interest rate related. But at the same time, it's really odd to see volatile times when consumer staples don't lead. Yeah. Well, I mean, their, their earnings cer- certainly aren't reflecting this, are they? I mean, from what we're seeing them come out with, it seems yeah. like they, they still remain pretty healthy. Yeah, uh, uh, we've got uh, – you, you mentioned that. I, we just as well cover some of that. S&P 500, there's 72 of the 500 stocks have reported so far. Uh, earnings surprise at a positive 6.76% overall. Uh, let's look down. Consumer staples surprise, 11 and a quarter percent. I mean, they've beaten analyst expectations by 11. an average of 11.25%. It's just eight of 34 companies that will ultimately report. Uh, consumer discretionary is the only one doing better, 15.89% surprise, and that's earnings surprise. Uh, the sales surprise is much smaller, but staples are still surprising, even on the top line, 2.89%. Uh, looking at sales growth, um, here we go, 8.93% higher, almost 9% higher, uh, you know, in the, the relative to their previous uh, earnings uh, in the uh, first quarter, 2017. Overall, S&P 500, 26.61% earnings growth. We had uh, 14.65, I think it was, something right in there uh, for the fourth quarter, 2017. Earnings are, are knocking the cover off of it right now. It's too early to say that, uh, you know, we won't finish like that, obviously, but there's uh, the market has been telling us that uh, – 2018 is going to be a solid year for earnings growth. Uh, market conditions, um, or at least market expectations, are about 28% growth in 2018. If we hit numbers like that, um, it, I, I don't believe that the price is going to stay the same as it is right now. Um, we're yeah, so seeing the, that volatility, but you know, even even with these kind of numbers, and you know, we're not seeing the price move higher. What we've seen over the last week, especially in the last couple of days is uh, interest rates to move higher. What happens when interest rates move higher? Obviously, uh, it's it's uh, inverse of what the price of those bonds do. Yields are higher. Right. Bond prices are lower. Um, yields are higher. It's also an increase in the cost of capital for those companies. Their equities tend to be pressured. So we've seen, you know, in a day or two, we've seen, you know, toward the end of the week, we did see some uh, selling. But uh, still, overall, five days Higher, 1%. 1% here. Yeah. Yeah, so, on Thursday. Uh, I, look back. Yeah. Look back. <laughs> but with these earnings continuing to grow, I mean, that, that that looks to me like maybe there's some pretty nice, attractive opportunities in the consumer staples sector, right? I mean, if you're yeah, saying – I think there are. I, I'll tell you one that I saw this week. Uh, you want to talk specifics? Some of the tobacco stocks have started selling off, and, and part of it is because, really? yeah, uh, what, what seems to be the story – 
uh, even though, you know, Philip Morris, let's talk about them specifically. It's the international version of the old Philip Morris that then became Altria, mm-hmm. uh, that then again became Philip Morris, but it's international, Philip Morris International. So it's the tobacco products outside the United States. Those that are within the U.S. are still Altria. Uh, related companies a long time ago, but they've split. Uh, but so what's happened is it seems that they came out this week, said that, uh, their products in Japan are not being, their electronic cigarette products are not being adopted as quickly as they thought. It is a bigger uh, profit margin on those particular pieces of their offerings. Uh, so the stock sells off 17% at one point on Thursday. Uh, nuts. Absolutely yeah, nuts. Awesome. Uh, you know, they beat earnings, uh, the overall adjusted number. All wow. that stuff is good. Uh, they increase their guidance. It's a dividend-paying stock. It's a solid company. You know, we put together a, a note uh, down in research. It's a company that we actually recommend for our clients to buy. I made sure that every one of our associates understood that, hey, man, this looks like a buying opportunity to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to say that on the radio. I think precisely that is what we're yeah, looking at here. You know, all the other details. Too. I mean, that's usually what, yeah. what's causing it to fall, right? When yeah, usually still... you see numbers solid, and then they start talking about, well, next year might not be as good. Yeah. You know, the only negative in the in the bunch is the fact that their, uh, their e-cigarette offerings are not being taken up as quickly. Yeah, what they say they've done is they've gone through, like, the early adopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gotten to some of the older, more conservative smokers who prefer the tobacco instead of a – an e-cigarette, I guess, and, and that's what they're doing. Now, there's folks out there that couldn't give a whit about cigarette stocks. A lot of them don't like to buy. DJ, we got clients like we that, do. right? We do, absolutely. And, and uh, I don't fault them a bit. If you're, uh, if you're not trying to save the world and you're just looking for an investment that gives you a decent return, this is still a solid Solid choice. Yeah, you don't have to smoke it. You can just invest in it, right? That is true. You can. I mean, if you consider it, if we are on the cusp of a downturn, right? I mean, wouldn't that be considered a a defensive position? It is. Yeah, Uh, staple consumer staples companies generally do hold up better in a downturn. Why? It's because these are still the things that we're going to buy, no matter what the economy Mm -hmm. tells us. We still need, you know, we still need paper products. People still are going to smoke. You're going to buy your groceries. Uh, Those are the kind of Stocks that you look for, companies that offer those uh, products that uh, a lot of folks will invest in. During and, a downturn. and Philip Morris in particular, man, I think I've read somewhere that uh, they actually might perform better in a downturn relative to some of their peers because of the product, right? I mean, if people are struggling, right. they might tend to consume that product more yeah. uh, as a result yeah. of falling on harder kind times. Of a comfort thing, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, they seek comfort. Uh, that's an old argument too, you know, tobacco stocks and mm-hmm. and um, alcohol. Stocks tend to do yeah. well in in a downturn. Doesn't always work, but uh, there there is that thought. I will tell you that it's seldom you seldom see them pressured. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we do have a couple of things uh, economically. Don't know how much of this we'll get to, but I do want to look through for just a second here. Uh, retail sales rose 0.6 percent in March. That was kind of a good surprise. Uh, outside of autos, sales were led by drug stores, non-store retailers, and furniture stores. Sales were 4.5% above their year-ago level. That's pretty awesome stuff. Uh, one more here. Mortgage applications rose even though interest rates were increased. Uh, we saw a, a kind of across the board from the 2 to the 10 increase in interest rates uh, on the week, uh, about 8 basis points, 0.08%.
We're going to take a real quick break. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. First time we've ever heard of something like this, but uh, you know, I guess it's not um, it's not a fun topic. Uh, this week, I ran across a story about a train that is full of a foul substance in the middle of Alabama. Uh, Sounds kind Parish, of Parish, Alabama. It's kind of West Jefferson. Jefferson County is where uh, Birmingham is. I, I don't know if it's a separate county from Jefferson County, but it is West Jefferson. So uh, basically what's happened is New York City was trying to get rid of their refuse. Back in the 80s, uh, the court order came down and disallowed them from dumping it in the Atlantic Ocean. Let's all cheer for that, right? Yeah, good thing, right? Uh, next thing you know, they're selling it to companies. There's a company that goes out and... Uh, buys a piece of property in Alabama, said, you know, we created this landfill, you can send it on. Well, what happened was they send it in what they call sludge. It's This is human waste from New York City being dumped in Alabama. Ridiculous, right? Wow. Uh, they, uh, about two months ago, end of uh, January, one of the towns where they were offloading this sludge um decided that they were going to get an injunction. So they went to court and told them, you know, you can't be unloading this stuff, loading it on trucks and sending it to your your uh, uh, final destination in our town. So the train stopped. Well, the train stopped in this other little town about 20 miles up the road uh, right next to the baseball field. Jarrett, you said you got uh, – Little ones in uh, in Little League. What if the stench Ooh. were so bad that they are considering not playing in that field this year, this summer, because the odor is so foul? Because the train's just sitting there? The train is just sitting there. It's a legal action that has caused this train to be stuck in the middle of Alabama oh, and can't be unloaded, and here can't they sit. Can't move to a better location. Yeah, yeah. Is there a better location? I don't know if you ever get to a spot where you could agree that uh, – you know, this is what you want. Send it back where from. it came from. It's true. <laughs> well, That's what I do. <laughs> you know what? There, in the 80s, there was, a, there was a barge that actually got done that way. Um, it, it was uh, non-toxic waste, like in 87. It was, again, from New York City. It was supposed to go to uh, North Carolina. It went all in, all up and down the uh, the East Coast and then wound up, uh, I think they tried to dump it in Mexico and then another place in Belize. And none of these ports would accept the waste. It wasn't a, a foul, malodorous substance. This was just something that nobody wanted. But uh, this is uh, this is what our societies create, right? This is a this is a huge problem. Yeah. How in the world do you deal with it? I mean, you know, it is planting season, but I don't think I want to order a load of that to put in my backyard and grow my tomatoes in. Yeah. Not the or, not the organic How gardener. How does Alabama sure. anyway. even allow something like well, that? Well, see, there's they're in paid the off pretty well. Yeah, yeah there's a, a company called Big Sky Environmental LLC who actually bought land there, uh, got it zoned properly so that they could have the waste. The problem is in transit, 
You know, it's uh, it's not the most smooth processes. Now, things that are related to this, they say this little town of Parrish has had a horrible uh, hatch of flies. They've had an infestation of flies. Imagine that. Uh, but imagine. but really, the most uh, the most atrocious portion of it is just the foul odor. Um, so anyway, you think you might be having a a rough Saturday morning? Just remember, it can always be. The wind worse. can always change directions. Yeah. What if uh, what if the malodorous train car got stuck in your neighborhood? Yeah, not There's good gotta stuff. There's got to be something anyway. they can do about that. Dog yeah. of the week. There. Well, I mean, it is. It, it's a pretty crappy situation. They can't. Wow. Okay. There wow. we go. All right. I wondered how long That's... it was going to take. <laughs> Finally, Jarrett falls for the bait. Oh week. yeah. 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 Well, how about I figured that? I ought to after you know. Uh, <laughs> you barking at the beginning of the episode for the dog of the week. That was nice. Bark. I like that. Yeah, didn't you record that I heard, bit? No, very that was you barking on the, was, on the bit, right? Oh, now he's going to try to turn Here this into, go. oh, let's pin the tail on Troy. <laughs> this is not your birthday party from the seventh oh, grade, Oh, man. This used to be a financial talk show, folks. Uh, used I know to we've uh, taken a turn here, but let's uh, we'll make it, see if we can pull it back Let's make it one again. <laughs> All right, so we do have a situation, as I like to call them, to talk about this week. Um, basically trying to keep a long-term view, especially mm-hmm. during times of volatility like we've had since the end of January. It's funny to me that we talk in, uh, in uh, terms of, uh, you know, we, we've uh, last year, 2017, was a period that had so little volatility. I think we got real spoiled. Worst uh, downturn we had lasted for about 10 days in 2017. Cost us 2.8% on the S&P 500, so it wasn't very bad. We normally have these, you know, 3 5% declines in the market on an annual basis uh, on average. Yeah. Um, you know, a single 10% decline in the market in a, in a normal year on average. Um, and then, what, every year and a half, I think it is, a 15, mm-hmm. 15% decline. Yeah. Uh, and then you have bear markets from time to time, right? Yeah, 20%, right? Yeah, every, exactly. Every three years or so, I, I think. I think it is, three years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we get spoiled of this, and then uh, we have a little bit of a hiccup. Came into 2017, the first month of the year, we made 7% on the S&P 500. It felt like we were getting a bit overheated, you know, when we were in the middle of it. Uh, valuations got really extended, uh, and then the market decides to fix it. Um, you know, we've we've kind of traded back and forth. We've seen a lot of volatility. Jarrett, here, this is my confession to you. It wouldn't be surprising to me when you said it last week, it, with all the news that was going on, uh, if we did have an issue. But uh, the point here is, you know, as human beings, sometimes we get emotional. Sure. And uh, one of the best ways that we can cure that emotional, at least the reaction to the emotion. Uh, nobody wants mm-hmm. to make you not emotional. I mean, it's who we are. Right. Um, but your actions, the actions you take in the midst of that emotion are uh, are important. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when things start happening, you guys, who are more client-facing than I, sure. tend to have to answer your phone a little more often, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, look, I would say that's primary reason people seek out an advisor, right? Yeah. Us or anyone else for that matter. Right. I mean, that's the that that uh, third party that that you know outside unbiased opinion that they're seeking because they know that any any rational person is going to at least in part make decisions on their emotions because, like you said, that's that's our human nature, right? Right. And and so, 
it's it's difficult unless you do have someone to help you veer away from that to to not make decisions. Well, uh, Bill Leco yeah. says it himself. He doesn't manage his own money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and why is that? Because it's really easy to get emotional about your own your money, own, a whole yeah. lot more so than if you just let somebody else. Uh, so internally at Hensler Financial, mm-hmm. uh, many of the folks that are that are here invest right. regularly. Uh, you know, we have financial plans. We have uh, ideas as to where we're heading in life. And uh, when things get a little bit crazy, what do we do? Mm-hmm. We might go talk to the guy down the hall in our case. But we have our yeah. own somebody to talk to. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, you know, we're we're human just like the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it always makes good sense. So, Jared, yeah. tell us what, what uh, some of, I guess, we can share about some of the things that we've been seeing yeah. commonly in the market and with our clients, right? Well, and that, that really kind of feeds into not only what we talked about this week, but also uh, what, what we're talking about this week, which is keeping a long-term view. Because I cannot tell you how many times lately I've told a client that, look, if, if – the investment strategy that you put in place on the front end you believe is a viable one, and nothing that has happened in the market do you believe has, has affected that investment strategy, meaning leading economic indicators and earnings reports and the overall health of the economic environment and the companies that are reporting. If, if nothing really fundamental is changing about that, then why would you doubt the investment strategy that you put in place in the first place when you know it's a viable one, regardless of how it might be performing in the short term, as we've talked about on a few uh, recent lunch occasions. Sure. Uh, you know, th- these these short-term market movements, and when I say short-term in this instance, I mean 30 to 60 days because it, there's really a lot of, uh, I would say, irrationality happening in the markets to a degree in that, you know, the consumer staples thing like we were talking about earlier. That right. That is simply not going into this maybe what we would have expected. And so that can really alarm some people, and, and they get to this point where they – they do let their emotions come into play and say, are we doing what we should be doing? Do sure. we need to make changes? And my point is that in, in from from a significant standpoint, you got to stick to your investment strategy that you put in place initially if you believe it to still be a viable one. And if nothing has changed that would cause an effect to that, then don't doubt yourself. Right. Uh, you've got to stick to the plan. Yeah, and that's that's where I think some of the biggest mistakes are made is kind of that 11th hour fear where yeah. you finally decide, oh, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to make a change. You you change your allocation and what happens? Yeah, the market the market makes a fool out of you. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah I mean, we talk, we have this conversation a lot with with our clients. You know, today mm-hmm. um, we have a plan. We we you know it's an active managed portfolio and you know i'm talking to the guy about you know tax losses and he's like why would i pick this back up you know why are we going to strategically sell this it's a loser why do i pick it back up it's all part of the plan i Mm -hmm. think we all go back to that you know and that's it's an important aspect to remember that these short-term market cycles can help and or hinder but you got to stick to your plan having a you know an active without a doubt yeah Well, uh, let's uh, let's continue this conversation after the break. We're going to take a real quick break, pay a few bills. We'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Stick around. I had my eye on you a long time, Doctor. I consider you one of my most valuable long-term investments. Comes to my investments. I always do my homework. (laughs) I, I, 
We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with DJ Barker and Jarrett J. Money McKenzie. There you go. Now we're back wow. on the right track. I don't even. I need to go <laughs> can't get a believe shower. You missed yeah. that at the beginning After of the that, show. I've, I mean, I, I can't believe you. that I did that in the middle of the show. It's but okay. hey, you know what? Well, we all make mistakes. Jared, I, you know, I, I love you. At least I love to make fun of you. But uh, <laughs> that's what makes the show so fun, Troy. Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's hey, uh, it's a big thing. You got to have a little right? fun at work. You're, and that's what we do. You're you're right. Oh, this is work. Oh yeah, not well, not not real hard work <laughs> yeah. for sure. But we like doing it. Absolutely. So uh, when we left, we were talking about how volatility, how market declines, how, you know, the back and forth of every day in the market when we have it like we have over the last couple of months can actually cause people to get a little bit nervous. And uh, especially after, you know, I made the point uh, several times in the last few months, uh, the S&P 500 gained 375% from March 9th through the end of 2017. That's significant gains. I yeah. mean, that's amazing gains, right? We don't see this mm-hmm. uh, in a in a normal cycle, but uh, the market's up big, basically, is the news, and uh, people want to protect what they've gained. So, you know, they get a little bit nervous when they start seeing things change, yeah. and we have definitely seen a change from 2018, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to 2017. Things are things are a little different now. Right, Jarrett. You said uh, you, you've talked to somebody recently who really was, uh, and and we've seen this this week, right? Sure. You know, the news is uh, the yield spread is narrowing. Mm-hmm. And what do we mean by that? It's uh, the yield on the two-year Treasury versus mm-hmm. the yield on the ten-year Treasury. Right. So, um, what what the news is? Obviously, first of the year we saw about a 50 basis point or half percent difference between the two-year and the 10-year Treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last few weeks, we've seen uh, that two-year number, and really it's taken more than a few weeks. It's been a few months. Sure. Uh, the the yields on two-year Treasury have moved up a little, mm-hmm. and the yields on that longer-term Treasury, the 10-year. Uh, have come down ever so slightly. Now, mm-hmm. over the past week, we saw it all move up just a little bit, eight basis points, 0.08%, right? Right. Um, so the news is we've never had an inversion in the yield curve when we didn't have a recession. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. solid signal, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that people miss is it's usually within 18 months after that inversion in the yield curve. Now, but we're not seeing an inversion right we now. We are right? not. So what is an inversion? An inversion is when the two-year, the short-term Treasury yield, is higher than the mm-hmm. 10-year Treasury it's yield. completely irrational. Uh, right. I mean, who would, who would you know, as long let as you, you lock your money up for longer. For less. Better right. rate yeah. yeah. It's term. a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, you know, but it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens. Uh, you know, it's been the, the precursor to many recessions over the last multiple decades, right? Right. Um, we haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. So it gives us a little bit of confidence to say, you know, don't, don't panic and get out of the market. Uh, right. Even if you see that signal, you've got time. Sure. And uh, it, it, it's a it's a very early signal, no matter what. But we haven't seen anything like that. So you know, when we talk about 
uh, fundamentals being relatively solid. We saw CPI, the Consumer Price Index inflation indicator mm-hmm. uh, from last week, not this past week, right. um, that actually moved higher. We've, we've got core at 2.1%. Well, the Fed's target is 2%, mm-hmm. so it's slightly above. Yeah. The Fed has still said you know, they're going to stay the course, steady rising interest rates, right. no change there. The yeah. Fed's not panicking. These guys are mm-hmm. highly educated economists, right? Yeah. Uh, not giving us a signal of telling us, you know, run for the hills. This is the worst. We're mm-hmm. about to do whatever. What I really believe has happened, as I said earlier, we got we got expensive. The stock market got too yeah. expensive. Forty two percent premium to the long term average price to earnings ratio. That's expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's happened over the last, you know, month, two months? is we've pared that premium back a good bit. Which needs to happen, right? I mean, that's, that's what I keep going back to with most clients is, look, healthy markets correct. Sure. Ones that are not get us to where we were at in 08, and that's when bubbles begin to... Yeah. You or know, even worse, 99, 2000. Right. Uh, true, uh, you know, yeah. telecom bubble. The, the uh, price-to-earnings ratio on the S&P 500 overall was over th- like 36. Mm-hmm. 36 times... Uh, when the long-term average is 16 and a half. Wow. I mean, right now we're at 21. Mm-hmm. This is not a tech bubble type yeah. scenario, it, not at all. Well, there's multiple of those leading economic indicators, like you said, right? I mean, one is the CPI, that consumer price index. Sure. And, yeah. You know, you're looking at the yield curve and unemployment and these sorts of things. There's, they all are sort of – you have to take them together instead of just looking at one singularly so that – you know, because that alone is not going to give you what you are looking for in terms of where might the market be headed. In fact, some of that, and in particular, I think that the spread between the interest rates is really being driven by the Fed's actions and, and the market's response to it. But, look, they're making those decisions, taking those actions, right. because they're managing the rates. That's what they're there for, and they are keeping them in, in healthy uh, positions, which is, is what we need to see. Again, interest rates going up, does that – is that a bad thing? Well, not necessarily. Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier for you to uh, go and get a loan. Maybe your, your mortgage right. payment is going to be higher, right? But that that does keep things in line and, and keeps the market in a healthy place as opposed to inflation getting out of line and us going back to the Carter sure. era where you had 15 20% mortgage rates. Yeah, inflation, they call it the cruelest tax because <laughs> it, uh, you know, it impacts across the board. The prices that we pay for groceries, the mm-hmm. prices we pay for gas, everything combined. And guess what? When you get inflation, it seldom goes backwards. Right. So, you know, you you wind up having the whole economy is taxed more heavily because, and by that I mean, you know, it's burdened more heavily uh, because Things prices on everything have to increase, including yeah. your labor, in order for you to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So why why right now? Why is, um, you know, when, you, when you're watching the news at night, 24-hour news networks, why does it seem like it's an emergency? Because well, that's where they're pushing right now. Right. It definitely seems like yeah. there's an emergency out so, there that we so need to make some changes. We've, uh, they talk about the business cycle. You know, we've had this huge recovery from recession in 2008. Uh, the recovery has lasted since 2009, basically. I think it was March of 2009. Uh, I know that was the bottom of the market, but I think that was what they officially deemed as the end of the recession. So uh, if not, it's within a month or so. Um, so from 2009, we fast forward. We're nine years out from that. That's a pretty long recovery cycle for for the economy. Now, you know, we have Roger Tudorow on. We'll have him on again next week, so you all listen to that. But, uh, uh, you know, he talks about it a lot. 
uh, recoveries from recession don't die of old age. It's usually conditions that cause it, and sure. one of the conditions is the fact that the Fed raises interest rates. They do that to slow the economy down uh, because excessive growth actually can create inflation. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to manage is the inflation. So as their interest rates increase, uh, that increases interest rates on pretty much everything, including borrowing for corporations. Yeah. When you increase their borrowing rate, uh, that's an increase in their cost of capital. It tends to pressure lower profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, you're having that inflation in the background. So the goods, the, the cost of the goods that they use to create those profits, the, the inputs into their, uh, their, their finished products are increasing, again, eating away at profits. So before you know it, you've got a situation where inflation plus the interest and, you know, you start seeing the economy slow down. Profitability is lower mm-hmm. before you know what you got a recession. Uh, so that's exactly what's happening. Uh, you know, we've, we're on Uber watch for this. Yeah. Last year, 2017, the S&P 500 returned us 21.8%. Awesome year, about double what we would expect. It's double the long-term mm-hmm. average, annual average of, of returns on the S&P 500. So, um, you know, I think they're just... Uh, last year was was uh, low volatility. The stories didn't didn't come as quickly. They had to focus a lot in politics. I don't know if you've noticed <laughs> the news is focused a lot on yeah. politics lately. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know now now we're seeing that 50 basis points being eroded. I think at one point mm-hmm. this week it was down to 34 basis points or 0.34 percent differential from the two year to the 10 year Treasury. Right. But they again, you know, they're they're trying to whip whip up a news story, and it, it's it's never been that we have this inversion of the yield curve. If in fact mm-hmm. that's what we get, right. and then things fall apart, like all of a sudden the next day you better get out of the market. It's it's going nowhere. That, yeah. This is just crazy. That's not the way it works. Yeah, it certainly appears that there's been a lot of numbness come about because of the the past couple of years yeah, that we've had, definitely. right? And I mean, I, I think it's just made people. You know, forget that these things are necessary yeah. and have to happen for a healthy market. I definitely think that prices today are much healthier than we had at the end of January. Yes. 2018. Agreed. All right, let's take a real quick break. We'll come back for our final segment. You're listening to Money Talks on Troy Harmon. Stick around. We'll be right back. Saturday, if not, probably yeah. will. Well, we want to make sure you got relaxed in case you listened to too much news this week and got too worked up about out. the, yeah. the stock right. market, which uh, uh, we do have quite a few questions. Let's uh, go ahead and give out our number where you can reach us. Um, you can call and talk to a human being, 770-429-9166. I only say that because we also have a line where you can call. Just leave us a message. Uh, we play the message back and answer your question uh, right behind it. That's our question hotline. 
Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. You can also go to our website and kind of dig around and find the answers to your own questions if uh, if they're broad enough. We don't, uh, obviously, if you've got something real specific, you might want to call us, uh, talk to DJ or Jared at least, and uh, get get your questions answered in that manner. But um, you can go to hensler.com. And uh, we've got lots of content that uh, that should help you answer some of your financial questions. And speaking of answering your financial questions, we have a question this week from our good friend Bill Murray, who uh, frequently writes us. This time he says, uh, to what extent do you agree or disagree with the following statement? An accommodative Fed floats all boats, and hence we have experienced a decade of prosperity for the S&P 500 index, the Vanguard S&P 500 index. But now that the Fed is less friendly, stock picking by active managers will outperform the index. If you agree with the above, uh, would Vanguard's Morgan Growth Fund be superior to the S&P 500 index? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, the we Fed... We almost have to agree with the, the sense, right? I mean, if, if not, we, we not, we wouldn't be in business if we didn't think that, uh, yeah. that the active managers would, would outperform. Well, I mean, we do have an option. We can right. we could use uh, passive management. But uh, <clears throat> what we mean, let's, let's flesh out a few things. Let's mm-hmm. answer this question, and, you know, for everybody listening, uh, active versus passive management. The passive management is just buying the, the index, basically. Mm-hmm. Although you can't buy the index, you can get real close. Uh, performance will be similar. You can uh, you can buy a uh, an exchange traded fund that inside it actually owns in similar weights uh, the stocks inside the S and P 500. So that's what he's saying. The yeah. active manager would uh, probably allocate different, meaning that he would own uh, different. Um, Utilities. Th- yeah, he would own different allocations of sectors. securities and and yeah. sectors. Uh, relative to the S&P 500. So if Apple's 1.5%, an yeah. active manager might own 3% of it, mm-hmm. uh, might not own it at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's the active decision. It's not like you're trying to mimic the index. Right. Uh, and, yes, uh, active managers do tend to be more conservative. Uh, they tend to be more conservative across the board, meaning and when times are good and when times are bad. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of... Uh, how we do it. Uh, we've seen long periods of time where if you used a beta, meaning a, 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 it's a sensitivity to the market of 0.99, you actually outperform over long periods of time mm-hmm. uh, because there are those uh, those days that decline significantly. Yeah. Uh, it gives us a little more strength or conviction of, uh, of being active and and uh, performing uh, better over long periods of time. It's kind of a what we try to do is stay relatively close to the overall market, which mm-hmm. we measure by the S&P 500. And then as things decline, we try to protect your assets, meaning that we don't decline as much. Now, that's kind mm-hmm. of the game that that, uh, that we use, our, our mm-hmm. measurement or benchmark, if you will. Well, that's, um, really, that's really where you see the most benefit or value from an active manager, right? Because that's what we're doing. That's what most active managers would do is, like you said, they're going to manage the allocation more as opposed to just the S&P 500 right now. Sure. I would be willing to bet that for most active managers, it's outperforming. Why? Because last week, as we talked about information technology, surely unless you're a hedge fund or some other 
very uh, risky fund. Uh, you, you don't have the same weighting to the information technology sector as the S&P now does because of the growth that we've seen in that sector. So, you know, to Bill's point or, or Bill's question here, I would expect a, a fund to outperform when it's it's a little bit less friendly in terms of the economic environment, the interest rate environment, and whatnot. Right. Because you know, for us, for instance, I mean, this this is where we feel like we can provide the most value in sure. terms of you losing less money, which means you've got less catch up to play and right. can get back to actually making money. In Instead of playing that catch-up. Yeah, protecting your assets when times get troubled. Right. Now, before we uh, go into my next thought, let's go ahead and, and uh, tell uh, Bill, Vanguard Morgan Growth Fund Admiral Shares, VMRAX is the index uh, symbol here. Um, the, the problem with this is you've, you've looked at a growth fund. And uh, if you look at what happened over history, so our most recent uh, recession, uh, the S&P 500 fell by 55.2% from the very start, top of the market, to the, where was the very, very bottom of the market. That's October 9th of 07 through uh, March 9th of 2009. Uh, the market fell like that. Well, this particular index or this particular fund, which is not an index, it's an active managed portfolio, actually fell by over 40%. I don't blame the managers because they beat their peer managers. In that space, the problem is it's a growth fund. Uh, what happens to growth during a recession? It quite, well, it tends quite to often worse. Yeah, it, yeah, it quite often. Well, the biggest problem is you go into those recessionary times where your price to earnings ratio is higher. It's, it looks more expensive relative to the overall market. Right. What do investors tend to sell most in a down market? Well, the one that looks the most expensive because they don't want to deal with that again. Uh, so I believe what you need to look for is something more along the lines of a value investment. Now, what is a value investment? Usually it's a company that's going to have uh, more stable earnings, uh, might pay a dividend. Make sure if you're buying stocks or funds that have dividends that the dividends are covered well with the earnings that uh, are generated within those companies. Uh, but you you uh, look at some of those like VIG. I mean, it's a... a a uh, exchange traded fund, so it's not active necessarily. It's you know they just have a, an index that they set it to, and uh, and you know follow on. But right. in that same period of time, from the top of the market to the bottom of the market in our last recession, it was only down about 30 percent mm-hmm. relative to the 55 that the overall S&P 500 you know uh, lost. So I think it's not just being active which I think does get most of its benefit during troubled times, but at the same time being a little bit smart about what it is you're looking for, and growth is not necessarily the answer. If you get a company that I will say that, um, you know, Microsoft was a relatively new company in 1990. Uh, think about it, this was before the big uh, tech boom, and I'm not talking about the tech bubble. In the middle 90s, we had five years in a row where the S&P 500 was up, uh, 20% plus, and part of the reason behind that was uh, technology was making us all more productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, corporations benefited from the fact that we got a new desktop computer on top of our desk. Instead of having to write things down, we could type now. You can type a lot faster than you can write. Even you, Jarrett, with that weird yeah. one well, finger thing. One you finger, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway. I get it done, though. 
Yeah, oh no. I mean, you wear that yeah, one no, finger no. out. It's a, it's about two inches shorter than every keyboard. other finger on that hand. I can hardly see the letters so on my keyboard anymore, in fact. I've, I'm not surprised at that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, backing up to the to the previous point, Microsoft actually outperformed the, the market. We had a, a recession, 90-91, and Microsoft's growth, their revenue growth, even outperformed during that period. So if you get one of those really solid uh, new uh, type companies that can grow uh, no matter what, uh, yeah. you can see even those type of investments be positive when the rest of the market's down, but you don't see them as a group do that. So I'm yeah. saying go active and use right. value at the same yeah, time. Be, be defensive, Bill. I mean, I don't think that – Troy's right. You, you're, the growth is not really what you should be targeting right now if you think that maybe things are less friendly and there's a downturn on the horizon. Protect what you've made. You know, make sure that you don't put yourself in a position where you got a lot of catch-up to play. You'd be a lot better off than seeking out what, what growth there might be during a downturn. Sure, and I think consumer staples, if you want to focus on something. I like to be more diversified than that, yeah. but maybe overweight consumer staples. Find yourself a, a reasonable, um, you know, fund that focuses mostly on those and go for that yeah. at this point. All right, guys, mark it up or down. We're about to the end here. Up. Flat. Wow, flat. Yeah. You sound like Bill Laker. I'll say the market's up. We'll see you next week. Take care. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.